Hello, welcome to our worship service, going through a series on Joseph. Church, so glad you've been enjoying the series and letting God speak truth into your lives. I know I've enjoyed it. Just a couple of housekeeping things we get ready to get uh, into the message today. I know some of you got that email or through some other uh, type of social uh, messaging about this schedule that we're looking at as far as getting back through phase one, phase two, and phase three. There are many things that are out of our control, but I just want to give you a little heads up on that and uh, know that we uh, hate we had to cancel VBS, but with the type of uh, phasing we are looking at now, we had to make the best possible decision. So uh, we're going forward. We want to keep updated with that. Everything we send out is subject to things changing, which seem to change sometimes uh, moment to moment, day by day. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for supporting the ministry here. It's so touching to see what you're doing with one another to make sure the body is healthy, that needs are being met, not only in here but outside these walls. Blessed once again to be your pastor. Bubba has a little book you may be unaware of. It's called Bubba's Springtime Stories in that he's got a plethora of wonderful, silly stories. I'm going to refer to one today about a couple of birds, robins, the birds of spring. Seems there are a couple of robins were sitting on a branch and one looks over at the other one and says, I'm really hungry. The other one looks at him and says, I'm really hungry also. Should we go down and find some lunch? They agree to go do it. They fly down, and lo and behold, they come across a plot of land that's just been plowed up, and it's rich in worms. Well, they begin to gorge themselves, and finally, when they get about through, one of them says to the other, I am so full, I don't think I can fly back up to the tree. The other one says, I don't think I can fly back there either. Well, why don't we just lie here and bask in the sun, And when we wake up, if we fall asleep, we'll fly back up to the tree. So lo and behold, those two robins get themselves settled in that warm sun, basking in the warm sun, fall asleep. Along comes a tomcat, a big fat tomcat, and sees that out there and thinks to himself, it's lunchtime for me. He goes over and decides he'll make both of those robins his lunch. And that's exactly what he does. When he gets finished, he's just washing himself and licking himself. And he thinks to himself, I just love Baskin Robbins. (laughs) It's bad, but I I pray you get something you can use maybe at, uh, at the workplace when you go back and say, I've got the worst joke for you there ever is. Anyway. We're not basking like that cat is. We're basking in the grace of God. And today's message has a lot to do with the grace of God and basking in it, receiving it like the warm sunshine. Today as we go into the uh, different narrative with Joseph, we're looking at some important things regarding our lives and how we respond to the word of God. It says in Genesis 41.50, before the years of famine came, Two sons were born to Joseph by Aseneth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Going through that and looking at that, of course, it's factual information, but there's so much there. As we begin to look at this passage, there's something important to know. It's God's will for us to put our knowledge and our convictions into practice. 
if you pick up a lot of the different elements that come out of the life of Joseph, this is a, an essential element, a key element to his life. Now, as we think about that, putting our knowledge and convictions into practice, let's see what takes place. As we see Joseph, we know his true home was in Canaan. And his heart was still there in so many ways. His dad's there. It's his home place. Even the brothers that betrayed him, betrayed him are there. But I want you to see something. We have a, a young man at 17 taken captive, the prime of his life. He's now reached 30. He's all these years that he's lived in affliction. I want you to see something. God gave him two sons, the word of God says. And God blessed Joseph. He made him fruitful in the land of his afflictions. Many times that doesn't make sense to those that aren't connected to Christ and the word of God because it doesn't seem possible, doesn't seem right. But Romans 8.28 is still in the word of God and it's still true. And the same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. We see here that same principle coming to fruition. God blessed Joseph and made him fruitful in the land of his afflictions. Now, What did Joseph do? He had to endure tremendous hardships. And he lived differently, though, than many Christians live that have the same type of profession, but they don't have the same type of conviction. You see, Joseph endured hardship as one who lived with the knowledge of God's providence. And he didn't have all that we have to look back on to see just how God provides. We have that. But Joseph lived with the knowledge of God's providence. And he kept acting and doing the right thing because doing the right thing was enough for him. He put those convictions into practice. There are many people that walk the face of the earth and have the knowledge like you and I perhaps have and perhaps some convictions. But the convictions don't become real. Feet don't come upon them until we put them into practice. I want you to look and see how Joseph's example encourages believers to guard against slipping into mediocrity. And it can happen to anyone. We see it in the New Testament and the Old Testament where we can continue to receive blessings, receive the grace of God, and almost kind of take things for granted. Am I right? Let's look and see what God has to say in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. The word of God says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, gnosko, you have full knowledge that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Who knows better of what I lack and what you lack in your life? other than God. Who knows better than God? And one of the tools God uses, just like he used in Joseph's life, is some of the elements that come in, these testings, these hardships, these afflictions. And Joseph certainly had his share of those things. And you see, mature, where the word of God says in James chapter 1, so that you may be mature and complete. That means putting knowledge and convictions into practice is what we would desire for our children. When we fill them with knowledge, we give them certain convictions, but we want to see them live it out. And the word of God is here for us to live out in that way. 
Joseph did that. In verse 51 of Genesis chapter 41, the word of God tells us, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Now, when we're looking at this, our minds have a, God made us to remember, didn't he? We remember things. He's not saying he's forgotten who his father was, his brothers were. What he's saying is the sting of that, the pain of that, the torture of that, the remembrance of that no longer has the power that it once had. What an incredible thing. And so God in this time of his life gives him a son. Joseph doesn't forget God. What does he name his son? Look, he names his son Manasseh. Manasseh means causing forgetfulness. Have you ever thought how much of the current you, the you that lives inside of this flesh and bones, this earth suit, goes to heaven? People ask questions, what do we remember in heaven? Do we remember where we used to live? Do we know our own cell phone number? Do we recognize people? There's lots of questions we have. I I don't know how it all works, so I'm just going to say that right off the bat. No one does. But what we do know is this. Joseph's pain, this forgetfulness, he still knew what happened, but it didn't bring about the pain that it used to bring about. And I don't know if in heaven when we get there that there's some things that we thought would bring us pain if we took them with us to heaven that will no longer bring us pain because of how much blessing is there. I don't know how it all works. I do know how it works for Joseph because he remembers God. And God blessed him so much. There was so much blessing that he forgot. And when you think about all the injustices he had, it gives me maybe or maybe you a little taste of what? It might be like in heaven, forgetting that. It no longer brings the pain and the hurt. And he says it's because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Of course, he remembered them once again, but it was no longer bringing a source of pain into his life. Now, there's some great lessons to learn from that. And Joseph's example encourages me and encourages you to think about something, to guard against bitterness. Bitterness is ugly. And it could have caused Joseph along that way in the trade route and in Potiphar's house and in prison to have a really bad attitude. I know in the experience of life, there's been times in all of our lives, we've experienced a bad attitude. But Joseph and what he did is a great reminder. Listen carefully today against bitterness. Let's look at how God wants us to deal with bitterness. Joseph dealt with it in the right way. We need to allow God to reveal any bitterness that may remain in our hearts. You see, God can show it to us. because, Well, because of what the word of God tells us about the heart being deceitful in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Sometimes we don't even see the root of bitterness that's beginning to come up in our lives. Sometimes we can miss some of the areas where God wants us to mature. Remember, it is God's will 
that we put our knowledge and our convictions into practice. What is our knowledge about bitterness? The word of God has been very clear about it. Bitterness is a joy robber. Many people who have professions of faith in Christ don't walk around with the joy of Christ in their lives. Why? They may not have figured it out yet. And sometimes there's other reasons connected, but one of them is a root of bitterness that is causing that problem. Bitterness is a joy robber. The word of God says in Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Do you see what causes people to miss the grace of God? You see, Joseph had an incredible amount of grace in his life, didn't he? No wife, no family, no children, no position of power, no wealth, nothing And God's grace falls upon him. And the word of God says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. One of the great things about some of the products we have today to take care of weeds are products like Ground Clear where you spray it on and it it kills the weed systemically. That is, it goes into the root and kills the whole thing. And many times we can see the outward symptoms of the weeds growing up in our lives, but God wants us not just to pull the weed. He wants to kill them systemically. He wants it to go all the way down to the root. So why? So that we don't miss the grace of God. If there's a root of bitterness in your life about a situation, a person, something that's happened, you may be bitter about the season of life that you're in. That can happen to people. Because we have these predisposed ideas. When I get to be 15, I'll have this. When I get to be 30, I'll have that. When I get to be 40 or 60 or in retirement, I'll get this. And sometimes we can get a root of bitterness because we don't like the season of life that we're in. And sometimes the responsibility of paying the bills or going and getting this paper done in your school or taking on extra responsibility in your family falls squarely on your shoulders. And it's not easy. Joseph's life wasn't easy. But you have to be careful to guard that you don't miss joy in the journey, that you don't miss the ministry that's taking place right in front of you now. And some of you are in, well, some really hard positions. My heart truly hurts as I walk around my neighborhood and I see these signs in the yard with the name of a senior that's been graduating that didn't get to be with their classmates these last couple of months of school. Some they've been with for 10 or 12 years. It breaks it that, that they don't have that celebration to go to and have that as part of their life and part of their memories. Don't let it be a root of bitterness. I'm grateful that we have the blessings and the grace of God. God, even out of this, will take some unique things, even though we may not be able to see them all, and do some great and wonderful things. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Allow God's grace to fall upon you in the most afflicted situation you may have. Grab that season of life. Don't let it cause a root of bitterness to grow inside of you because it will spill out. The thing about weeds is they just keep growing. And it shows in our countenance. It shows in our actions because we can become so task-oriented to get it done. We can forget who we're doing it truly for for the honor and glory of God. Let's not miss his grace. Let's look at another thing about bitterness. 
The word of God says, first of all, the heart's deceptive. Let me show you about bitterness. The word of God forbids it in Hebrews 12. We don't want to miss the grace. And then in in Psalm 51.10, God will create a clean heart in us when we sincerely ask him. Look at the passage. It says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Joseph had a steadfast spirit. No matter what season of life, he stayed true to God, the God of the universe, and to God's word. Joseph remained faithful to God in all those seasons, and he didn't miss God's grace. God gave Joseph his firstborn son named Manasseh. You may be wondering, what grace can come out of my situation? What about the future? I want you to look at just a couple of things. There's way more than this. Joseph names that firstborn son Manasseh, right? Our decisions today affect tomorrow. They will affect tomorrow. How significant is it today to remain faithful to God? You see, we don't see the future. We just see the affliction and wonder how are we going to make it, how are we going to go through this? Joseph remained true to God and trusted his grace to bring the blessing. Bring up that next one. I want you to see this. Out of Manasseh, which Joseph had because he stayed true all the way through, and God's grace sustained him even in the season of affliction, out of Manasseh comes a faithful man that delivered Israel from the Midianites. Perhaps you've heard of him. His name is Gideon. Do you realize there'd be no Gideon if there wasn't any tribe of Manasseh? That's where he comes through. And it goes all the way back to how Joseph handled his imprisonment, handled his uh, slanderous comments, handled being on that trade route and being sold. All of it comes back to making the right decisions, being faithful to God, letting the grace of God fall. Not let circumstances dictating our feelings, but let God's word, God's faithfulness dictate that. It's God's will to put our knowledge and our convictions into practice, even in the hardest times. Look at what it says in Judges 6, 15 and 16. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. How about that? Where do we get the story for Gideon? Kneeling by the water. Where does that all come from? It goes all the way back, and we can trace it back to some decisions made way before that where God brought future blessings into the life of Joseph, having brought him that son. And by the way, there is another person, another prophet, we find in the word of God from, from Gilead. It's mentioned in 1 Kings 17.1, Elijah the Tishbite from Gilead. Now, some scholars disagree that maybe that's just where he was at that time, but many agree that he also was the tribe of Manasseh, Elijah. Imagine. And that's just a couple of the people out of the many that came out of that tribe that God used by his grace to touch people's lives. What an incredible thing. You see, we want to plant some seeds for the future, but those seeds are going into the ground now. And if root of bitterness grows up, you'll not see those kinds of blessings. But when you allow God's grace to grow in us, to bask in God's grace and just let him do as we need to see it happen, to mature us, to grow us, 
we'll see those kinds of blessings. It's wonderful to see them. And God will deliver that. Gideon is a future result of God's grace in Joseph's life. Now, what does Joseph say? It is because God has made me to forget all my trouble. Once again, I, that seems to me like a picture of what heaven is like. God brought so much blessing that it overwhelmed everything else. God is so good, isn't he? God brought Joseph to that place where it looked like it'd be inconceivable that he could ever, ever overcome the insurmountable things that were just mounted up against him. But you see, no affliction, no hardship is bigger than the grace of God. We have so many people living outside the grace of God. They're living by the law. They're living by self-induced torture to torture themselves, to be caught up in the affliction, caught under their circumstances rather than let God be above their circumstances. It does bring about a bitter spirit and a bitter heart. It changes ministry into misery. God wants us to forget about the part of the trouble and remember God's grace. He's using it. Joseph didn't see Gideon when he was walking around there being sold. Joseph didn't see Gideon when he was out there in uh, in a prison in prison clothes. God did. Prepare for the future. Sow things for the future. God has a future for his people, and he wants to mature us to become more and more like him. Now, in verse 52, Joseph has another son. The second son, the word of God said, he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Once again, doesn't make human sense. We would have to write an air if we were writing, God has made me fruitful in the land of the blessing and everything that went well. No. God doesn't work like the way people work. We're finite. We can't think of how to make blessing out of affliction. Not in the ways that God can. God names has Joseph named this son Ephraim. Now look, what does his name mean? Ephraim, his name signifies faithfulness. If God is anything, he is faithful to me and to you. You see, because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Let me ask you something. You might be in the midst of some affliction or suffering or hardship right now. God's will for you is to allow him to make you fruitful in the land of suffering. I don't know what that is for you. It it, takes on a multitude of different faces. But God can make you fruitful if you will yield to him, just as Joseph did. Yield to him, and God can do that. Joseph didn't forget his God. When circumstances turned around, no heirs, no marriage, no wealth, no house, no power. And then we see the zapping of God's grace in his life. Many times, and I've said it before, it's not prosperity so much that measures us and our faithfulness to God because there's more tendency to be more dependent on God in poverty. But in prosperity, there's more of a tendency to forget God, forget his grace. We don't need grace anymore. I've got money. I've got power. I've got a home. I've got food. Joseph didn't forget his God when circumstances turned around. And eventually, ladies and gentlemen, 
we'll come back out. We'll get by this virus. We'll go on. God wants us to remember him even when things come back. God wants to remember us in the midst of all the affliction. Afflictions are temporary, period. I want you to see what the book of Ecclesiastes tells us. In Ecclesiastes 9.10, some wonderful words of wisdom. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Grab all you can right now of God's grace. Be as mature as you can possibly be by allowing God to work in your life because there's going to come a time where you can't do that. See, it says in Genesis 41:53, some profound words that we're living in right now. We're in the midst of it. Look at this. Look what it says. Things came to an end. It's found in verse 53. The days of abundance came to an end. Seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. What happens when things come to an end? What happens? It's looking on my phone at some of the news, and one of those things came up. It had to do with a show from years ago. Many of you will not remember this, but even if you're in the younger generation, maybe you've heard of a show called Laughing. If you haven't, that's fine. It was the number one watched television show for 1970 and 1971. For two years running, the number one show. And if you were anybody, you were a guest on that show, and it was a comedy type of thing, and it was just a different kind of a formatting. So many people watched it, and so many people idolized the people on that show. As I looked at that and saw that little little ad come up for that and saw some of the faces on there, I watched the show. I saw the show back then. I wondered what happened to so many of those people. So many of the people that were the it people, what happened to them? Where are they now? What happened to their lives? Because 1970 is 50 years ago. What's happened? I began to look some of them up and read some of the obituaries. I'm not going to name names except for one name I'll come to in a minute. But as I read so many of the obituaries, I saw nothing spiritual, nothing based in the word of God. I didn't read them all. I read many of them, probably eight or ten, and kept looking, looking for something spiritual about the person. And they had a lot of accolades for some of the other shows they did and some of the things that happened, that they were part of this number one show for two years running. But I wondered what happened to their lives. You know, I watched that show 50 years ago. And during that time, we're so anchored in music, aren't we? There's another song that, a song that came out during that time by a man by the name of B.J. Thomas. He sang a song called Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Some of you, even this day and time, have heard of that. He won lots of Grammy Awards. He won lots of accolades in the the music industry. And 
I thought I was listening to B.J. Thomas as something came up about him. I was watching this other show back then. And I looked up B.J. Thomas. And in the back of my mind, I remembered something happened in his life. B.J. Thomas had a substance abuse issue in his life. Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head was, it's even recorded now, as one of the top 50 hits of all time. And B.J. Thomas had a wonderful voice. He still sings. But with that substance abuse problem, it's causing some issues in his life, obviously. His wife became a Christian in 1975. And as the story reads about him, and by the way, he's still living, he became a Christian about a month after that. And he started recording Christian songs. And I said, God, thank you. I needed to see something from back then, something in that day and time where they're the most it people, the people who were making the songs, making the headlines, the people that had the stars on their doors, what happened to them? And I thought, what a difference in this man. I've got a song that he recorded years ago. And some of you may not know, or you may know, back in 1966, there was a group called B.J. Thomas and the Triumphs. And he recorded his first number one song, and it sold over a million copies. It's an old Hank Williams song, I'm so lonesome, I could cry. And I thought, boy, did God change that. If ever someone was singing songs that had alcohol and substance abuse, God changed that song, didn't he? And when you listen to some of his new songs, he sounded about the king, that he would sing about the kingdom of God. I thought, what a refreshing thing. But out of all of that, let me tell you what struck me. Because like many young people back in that day and time, I wanted to be one of those it people. I would have loved to be on a show like that and have people tune in to me and watch me and be popular, be able to sing like that and have the accolades they got and the awards. As I was reading in the Word of God after seeing that, I thought to myself, in 1970, I started reading the Word of God for the first time in my life. The first time. As I was reading those words in the Gospel of Luke, just a profundity that struck me. All those lives that looked like they were on top of the world, all those values, all those ideas, all those things, what lasts? What lasts? Can I tell you something? Fame doesn't last because many of you listening to me right now don't even know what laughing is. Don't even know what it is. You probably know some of the people that were part of that. One that has been in some very popular shows, lots of movies. You would know the person. Still going. But what lasts? You see, I look at some of them so young, smooth skin and beautiful, handsome. Many of them have already gone on. They're gone. Some that are here don't look like they looked back then. What stays the same on the earth? The answer is, in this world of change and constant change, nothing stays the same, does it? Nothing does. It all changes. They're not famous anymore. People don't know them anymore. It doesn't even make that much difference. It was the number one show 50 and 49 years ago. I'll tell you something. The fame doesn't last the beauty doesn't last. The strength doesn't last. The awards don't last. As I'm reading the word of God, and I thought back to the first Bible that I bought, 
and reading that for the first time, I thought, you know what hasn't changed? The word of God hasn't changed. That stays the same. And it struck me how profound and how wonderful it is, the thing that we act upon, the thing we believe in, the thing that we're willing to die for and follow Christ for is the only unchangeable thing on the face of this earth. And we, when we take our knowledge and our convictions and put them into practice, we're doing the best possible thing we can do with our lives. And how that translates into your life, between you and God, you can figure those things out in your family, in your friends, in your workplace, in your future, in your decisions, all of it for the glory of God. It's the one thing that didn't change, and it brought a smile to my face, almost laughed. It's the same word I was reading 50 years ago. didn't need editing, didn't need to be redacted, didn't need to have some other spectacular added to it. It was what it was, and it's unchangeable, and it will last forever. Aren't you glad there's something that's going to last forever? Praise God for that. You see, the seven years of abundance came to an end. As we continue and finish out chapter 41, it says, And the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt, and all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the world. Isn't this just crazy that someone that was getting prison rations, someone that was sold as a commodity, which is crazy. The one who was sold as a commodity to slavery is now the world supplier of grain. How crazy is that? You see, when the grace of God falls upon us, we don't know what's in the future. Don't base your decisions or your joy on the temporal things of the world because they change. I'm glad we have some people from back in the day that made some great decisions for Christ to go forward for him. If your obituary one day doesn't read about those things, then it's time to change that. It's time to have people say, I knew so-and-so. They're one of the most godly people I ever knew. I watched God do crazy good things through their life. You see, that's the grace of God. It's God's will to put our knowledge and convictions into practice. And in a world that is ever-changing, the world of change will end soon enough. The Word of God goes on forever. When you base your joy in the Word of God, when you base your decisions in the Word of God, when you base your life not in feelings but on the fact of the Word of God, dear friend, you're basing it in something that 50 years from now, should the Lord tarry, and if we're still here, I won't be, but many of you will. You can look back and say you based your life in something that doesn't change because the fact is some even listening today may become very famous musically or in business or in politics. But if the world keeps going, people will forget you, they'll forget me. 
They'll forget the whole thing. You can be on top of the whole world and forgotten. And even if you're not forgotten, you won't look the same. You won't be the same strength you were. Nothing remains the same on this temporal earth. Base your life on those things that are eternal. Joseph did, and no one could have known. Those two sons brought so much blessing in the future into the life, bringing us Gideon, Elijah, lots of others that God had those seeds go into the ground for the future. Sometimes the future is a week away. Sometimes it's seven years away. Sometimes it's 15 years or 50 years away, but it's there. Plant seeds of blessing today and God will bless your life. I pray even as you listened, you listen prayerfully for God to speak truth into your life. Now, if you'd bow your head for just a moment, I'd like you to think with your head bowed, your eye closed, live with the knowledge and convictions that are put into practice. If God has shown you an area of your life where you need to step to the plate on some of those things, God's encouraged you because you see his grace in Joseph's life. And if you're almost cursing your affliction or your hardship or a situation that's so personal that no one else knows it but you, because you wouldn't want someone else to know, you'd be embarrassed about it, that you begrudge someone something, or you don't forgive someone of something, or whatever the issue is, give it to God. Let his grace mature you. Plant seeds for the future right now. Let God bless you in the land of affliction just like he did Joseph, and see what God can do. Be encouraged in that. Be blessed in that. God wants to do that for you. God's no respecter of persons, and he never runs short on grace. He's got grace for you and for me. God has blessings in lands of affliction. Continue to serve and love him, church. Thank you for listening and watching today. I pray that God continues to bless your life, we look forward to one day being back together in here, but thank you how you're taking care of one another day in and day out. Blessed and honored to be your pastor.